Welcome to our first installment of Answers in First Enoch. We're back, a 52-week teaching series on the profound revelations of First Enoch. In so many ways, this is going to blow your mind. As you saw from the introduction, we are covering, and we've published, in fact, specifically the first book of Enoch. This was found in the Qumran Scrolls. Therefore, all that research, of course, is in the front of the book again, uh, which identifies the historicity, the history of that community as the temple priest exiled uh, there. And the new temple practice moved to Qumran from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was defiled. The temple was defiled, and it no longer had the same worship system. It had a completely different religion from a completely different priesthood. Totally different. And those were Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin, and scribes. But they weren't the biblical scribes, by the way. When it says scribes, they were the scribes of Samaria. These were all from Samaria, really. So, this was found in Qumran, the first book of Enoch. And yes, we will certainly deal with those claiming that since a fragment from the second section, meaning the other four uh, of five sections were all found in Qumran, at least you know, fragments of them, so they are identified and affirmed. However, the second section, um, it, because for some reason it was not found there in fragments, some are moving to throw it out. You got to throw it out. Well, let's see what the book actually says because it actually quotes the second section in the other sections. Now, talk about completely inept for scholars. Um, <laughs> the, three times, uh, three other, I'm sorry, three other sections, multiple times. The book of parables is quoted even as the book of parables by name, even from fragments from Noah, for that matter. Uh, if only scholars could, I don't know, read before spouting their mouths off in utter ignorance, well, that would be kind of nice. But we don't live in that age, and we need to be ready for that. That's why we have got to prove all things. Now, we'll get to that soon. We, we have a whole video coming on that. We're going to prove that. Don't you worry. Uh, but if you read the introduction, we already do. Also, there were fragments from Enoch's, another book that Enoch wrote called The Book of Giants, found in Qumran as well. Uh, very fragmented. Uh, it, we don't have the whole book. And now, that is not in the Ethiopic edition of R.H. Charles, uh, from which he translated. So we did not include it in this publication uh, for that reason and for the fact that ongoing research is going on there, because we're doing a full testing on that with some, because there are attempts uh, that are made to connect those fragments to modern rabbinical writings that, well, they do not connect in many ways that we're seeing already uh, just at first glance. So uh, we're going to cover that in a separate book, but we're going to research it out completely before we release that. Uh, the fragments are valid and all we have, really. I mean, that's all that we could say right now. If you're going to ask us about the Book of Giants, what do we think of it? We think that the fragments that are found in Qumran will identify as Scripture. However, anything beyond that, we have, we've been unable to validate as Scripture in any sense. So we're just not there, and we're just not going there. So we're not including that in this publishing. 
no need to press it by forcing Pharisee leaven meant to deceive because there is a full book out there that Pharisees published and is full of leaven. Now, that doesn't do any good. I mean, it's just like the modern Jasher, right? Uh, if you haven't watched Testing the Book of Modern Jasher, uh, or even within our Answers in Jubilees, uh, parts 49A through, I don't know, uh, G or something like that, six videos, something like that, um, check that out, because uh, we've tested Modern Jasher, and it fails. It's not scripture. It shouldn't be treated as scripture. It shouldn't be quoted. It should not be in the same league as Enoch and Jubilees, which vet and pass as Jubilees as Torah, even, and Enoch as the oldest book ever written, which we're going to prove next video. Watch us. First Enoch, however, is five sections or books. Some call them, uh, which is fine, uh, that they're, you know, the book of the watchers, right? You know, so there's five sections or books. Uh, but let's be clear here. Other than the Book of Giants fragments only, First Enoch was found in Qumran. I mean, you know, you find 80% representation uh, of any other book called Scripture. Well, that would actually be pretty good there. Except for this one, they act like, oh, duh, I don't know. Uh, I guess the second section didn't actually exist. Except for it's quoted in the others, uh, duh. And we find it in use in 100 BC. And we're going to prove that and show you that too next. Now, what was not found? Uh, there's nothing found of Second Enoch. I'm not talking about the first book of Enoch, section two, which is the book of parables. No, 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 not those five books. They do this to confuse, even the numbers uh, five and five, you know, so they try to mix and confuse. This is what they do. That's what Pharisees have always done. But not one fragment, not one of second Enoch or two Enoch, three Enoch, four Enoch, or five Enoch were found at all in Qumran. So those books Actually, when you test them, and we, again, we're going to put that in that same book. We're going to do it all at once. Um, you're going to find massive occult leanings there. Uh, and we'll also test them separately, not in this series. So don't debate with us and try to argue here. It's, you're just gonna, We're going to mute you. Our channel, our rules, you respect that. If you can't, you're muted. That's it. This is about First Enoch and this 52-week-long series. Is probably too short to even do that justice. This is 108 chapters, some small, uh, some, you know, only one verse, in fact, but um, that's fine, uh, and some large, some very long chapters. So this is an extensive work. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And scholars have tried to marginalize this, and the dunce work that they have done, I, I mean, I just... They need to go sit in the corner and behave themselves because they're just not testing adequately or accurately either one. Now, did Enoch actually write this, and did he write it before the flood? That's what we're going to vet next. So we're going to talk about that in the next video. We're not going to talk about that in this video. Enoch commences, though, and here we'll start, with an incredible introduction himself. So let's read his words, and we'll expand as well. In fact, we'll bring in some New Testament to show you where Enoch's being quoted here, in fact. And I'm not talking speculatively, folks. 
we're going to show you word for word. Exact. <laughs> I mean, and, and the scholars will sit there and say, well, you know, Enoch wasn't really, um, you know, he was being quoted there, but it, it was something oral, except for it's the exact same words that are published in the first book of Enoch. Duh. I mean, what kind of dunces do we have? <laughs> this will set the tone that this book is not only an ancient writing, which in the next video we will prove, the most ancient book ever written by any man. Now, that's a huge exclamation point at the end of that, and I mean it because we are going to prove it. Now, we explore Enoch's vision and purpose for this book in this video, written before the flood, yet he says, though for all generations, this book is specifically for the end times remnant. That's you and us folks. We. It is time we grab a hold of this book and understand it, as you will see, though many are looking into this. Uh, I mean, we find uh, the same kind of scholarship here that we find, uh, as always, uh, you know, reading in fragments. Well, you read Enoch in fragments, you're going to have a major problem. He was too smart for that, and that's a dumb way to read. So just don't do it, that's all. All right, so that's going to change the context whenever they do it, and they've done a ton of it. We're going to talk about things like the uh, Enoch seven weeks prophecy, where he defines that there's seven weeks errors of the, wor the world, basically. And they're out there. There's a new book that came out not long ago. This huge revelation about the ten weeks of, <laughs> of Enoch. There are no ten weeks. It's seven. The other three are all the day of judgment. Specifically, one day, not extra weeks. <laughs> now, granted, he, he counts the, the, the math more, but he clearly defines them as different periods, and we will show you that. But we'll go through a lot of that. We'll also go through, you know, things like even um, you'll see in the Book of Enoch, if you've gotten it, uh, if you downloaded it, it's free uh, if you download. But um, Basically, we created these sun charts that are really cool. That show you the course of the sun. Um, we, we've, you know, we have prophecy charts in there. We have mappings to the Garden of Eden, mappings to the deserts around the Earth, mappings of the inner Earth, which is phenomenal. Uh, and really, if you haven't seen our uh, "What Happens When We Die" series, wow, Enoch actually becomes the bedrock of that. And then you find out. All of Scripture is built on Enoch on that topic. So, but many wondered why we did not begin with Enoch, right? I mean, well, why begin with Jubilees? Why was that your first publishing? Well, it's more important to establish Jubilees as Torah first, and then get into Enoch. And you're going to see why next video, because Jubilees talks about Enoch, and you'll see it's awesome. Now, we will correct much along the way, especially scholar babble, and there's a ton when it comes to this. Yeah, you go and read Vanderkamp's book, and it's lined with leaven. Uh, even uh, Dr. Heiser, we love him, but still a whole lot of little scholarly things thrown in that are not scholarly. It is not scholarly at all to read in fragments, and it's not scholarly at all to assume a paradigm which Enoch does not even remotely represent. So we will correct much along the way here, and we can all understand Enoch. Even the science portion 
uh, at least generally. In the geography in this book, wow. <laughs> you know, now that we've mapped it out the way that we have, it's incredible and it's full of revelation. Uh, and many of you who followed our Jubilees mapping and you followed our Solomon's Gold series especially, oh, are you in for a treat when you find out what Enoch does when he identifies the area very specifically as the same area we've been identifying all along. I mean, and it's indisputable. Uh, you'll see the mapping. So uh, if you have not gotten a copy yet, uh, you may go ahead and download it free in ebook. Yes, this content is free. Or you can purchase it in print internationally on Amazon or on Shopee Philippines. We can't print for free yet. Uh, still waiting for that free printer to contact us. But please, by all means, when someone has one, let us know. Uh, just go to firstenoch.org. And now, here we go. We have ignition. We'll give her all she's got, Captain. Here we go. Open your book of First Enoch 2, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The words of the blessing of Enoch. You know what? Moses actually uses that same style, by the way, when he writes. Uh, Wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous, who will be living, when? In the day of tribulation. Whoa. Hello, folks. We are very close. And yes, he's going to define that day. Don't you worry. Yeah, he means that one. Uh, this is our era in which Enoch wrote this. That's what he's going to say. This is not a relic to be forgotten and shoved aside, but the opposite. It is far too important. This is one of the most relevant writings for our age. That fact uh, that it's you know thousands of years old, no matter what dating one gives it, uh, basically just makes it all the more credible from that standpoint, especially since the New Testament quotes this book like crazy, direct quotes, not just Jude. Jude is one of many who quote this very directly. And we cover that in the introduction. So read the introduction. We're going to cover a little in this video. By the way, download the book at least free and read the entire introduction uh, where we conduct a thorough Torah test. We uh, talk about the historicity and unveil a research there uh, on Qumran, on who lived there, who did not, uh, who the Pharisees are, all of those things. So um, we open with that in all of our books, by the way, Restoring Scripture, and for good reason. Before reading the book, this research is paramount. We don't want you to start even reading it until you do a test and find out, is this scripture, is this worth even reading? And the answer is absolutely yes. Not only is it worth the read, this, folks, proves and vets as inspired scripture. Yes, it does. You'll see. When all the wicked and godless are to be removed, whoa, uh, Enoch gets right to it, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't play with words. That's one thing that is for sure. Uh, where have we read this? Uh, well, everything in prophecy, <laughs> and its origin is the book of Enoch, the first book of Enoch. And he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man. Well, he was righteous. He's not patting himself on the back. People do that with Paul because Paul called himself an apostle. And, well, Luke called him an apostle. And so did uh, Yahusha, essentially. He defined him as one. 
Peter certainly defined him as one and called his epistles scripture. Well, that makes him an apostle, folks. I mean, kind of hard for those who hate Paul to uh, go against him and try to throw out two-thirds of the New Testament. But there, there is a big movement for that right now. So Enoch was a righteous man whose eyes were opened by Elohim, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angel showed me, and from them I heard everything. And when you read this book, I mean, <laughs> everything. He, he covers so many topics, and again, we can't even get into them all in this series, but we're going to cover a lot of them. And from them I understood as I saw. And he did. He look at his explanations, and you'll see we've charted some of these things out, and they just make so much sense. It's rather difficult to misunderstand Enoch, really, if you're if you're reading in context. Okay, every everyone is out there looking for revelation and you know uh, heavenly visitations and Holy Spirit encounters, right? Well, here you go. Here's your Holy Spirit encounter right here. This is it. I know, is it inspired? Many will say. <laughs> read our Torah test and then go ahead, try to debate after you've read it. You won't be able to. Uh, there are no points left and there is no debate whatsoever. You can't take a book that was quoted this many times throughout the New Testament and ever try to define it as anything but inspired because they're quoting it for inspired doctrine. When an inspired writer, an apostle, and Messiah himself, in an inspired book, write of an inspired book, that book is inspired. Got it? Okay. Try to debate here without reviewing that comprehensive test, by the way, and you will be muted. That's our channel, our rules. Uh, and we aren't, we're just not debating ignorance, because that's what you would be making a position in ignorance if you haven't even read our position first. No, you don't, you're not doing that here. You're not going to waste everybody's time. So yes, if you have initials, especially, grow up and read our position first, or you'll be muted too. I don't care who you are. Now, this is awesome, but not for this generation, but for a remote one, Verse 3, concerning the elect, I said, and I and took up my parable concerning them. The Holy Great One, that's Yehua, will come forth from his dwelling, and the eternal Elohim will tread upon the earth, even on Mount Sinai. Yes, Enoch knew of and visited Mount Sinai. No, he didn't live anywhere near it. No, because he went around the earth. But we're going to show you that he went to that desert, and that is one of the places that he visited, uh, as well as Mount Zion, and as well as the Garden of Eden and the Mount of the East, which especially knows intimately, which we'll cover. Uh, he confirms Jubilees. All four holy places of Yahuwah on earth. And we'll map out his directions, and you'll see he basically is going right from one to the next to the next. And appear from his camp, and appear in the strength of his might from the heaven of heavens. And all shall be smitten with fear, and the watchers shall quake, and great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth. The watchers. Okay, now we're going to get to that. Uh, Enoch uh, basically has an eyewitness account. Uh, where he confronts these 
200 fallen angels personally as a prophet of Yahuwah pronouncing judgment. Of course, Yahuwah is with him, but wow. <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, there is no story like that in all of history. Um, this man was incredible. Uh, no wonder he was so righteous that he could stand in the presence of 200 angels without any fear of retribution. Uh, he didn't flinch. Now wait till you see the many things he has to say about them, to them even, and he doesn't hold back. Uh, he talks about what they taught, and this is crucial because you're going to find that those watcher doctrines are prevalent this very day and even in the church in some cases. Uh, he's going to tell us what they did. He's going to tell us about their children who wrecked the earth and are the reason for the flood. Uh, that's Yahuwah's response to this whole incursion. Uh, and they're pure, evil, incarnate demons, in fact. Uh, we'll get too much on this in this series. That's all we're going to say for now. Notice, though, the watchers did not war in heaven, nor with Yahuwah, nor the archangels. They trembled in fear. And you'll read throughout, that's what they do. They don't fight back. Um, no war has ever occurred in heaven at this point. In the whole of Scripture, Dr. Heiser would agree with us on that. Uh, I've heard him say that numerous times. Uh, that can only be a future event, period, in Scripture. There's no other way to look at that. Even when Messiah says, I saw Satan you know, fall uh, from heaven like lightning, he's, he's talking prophetically that does not happen until the revelation 12 event itself and it only happens once he can't fall twice and once he falls he can't get back in i mean heaven's not impotent folks when it is protected it's protected that's it and the archangel michael restrains him and he doesn't slip up not even for one second of any day ever now, wonder where John got much of the context for the book of Revelation. Well, certainly he saw a vision, but he already was predisposed to the book of Enoch. And there's no doubting that because of the number of times that he and Enoch are in full agreement. Uh, again, no matter how one dates the first book of Enoch, copies were found in Qumran dated to the 2nd century BC, before the New Testament, and especially Revelation. Again, those were copies, not originals. Uh, and it was the ancient tradition of the scribe to copy them over for uh, centuries and really thousands of years in this case. Yet this book would be ahead of its time, no matter what era you place it in up until that point. Uh, but for someone to call themselves a scholar and forget that scribal tradition, well, we really, really have a major problem with that. Um, just doesn't work. Um, they have been copying scrolls over. They know this. They wouldn't apply that to Genesis or any other book uh, in the modern canon, the Pharisee canon that they uh, swear by. Uh, so that's why. So it becomes the dumbest paradigm imaginable, really, when they apply things that way. Of course, this is a copy. Everything else found there was a copy. Maybe some of the local writings were not. But everything that is scripture, none of it was written, um, you know, in, in 200 or 100 B.C. That's ridiculous. It's, it's the, the notion is so ridiculously uh, inept. It's, it's pitiful. 
Uh, they can't even think logically when they apply things that way, clearly, and that is because they placate a paradigm. Uh, they aren't interested in the truth. They're interested in protecting their church doctrine, which is moot if it's against Scripture. Now, we are and we have had enough of shoddy scholarship, enough said. So, now, let's look at the language here of basically the end times judgment. Because Enoch comes out with that right away. I mean, he's already into the end times here. This is awesome. And the high mountains shall be shaken. No, he's not talking about the flood. You'll see. And the high hills shall be made low. Hmm. You know that from Revelation, especially. And uh, every island, uh, in fact, moved from its place. Uh, but we'll get there, too, in this series. And again, if you want to go forward, read the introduction. And we have over a page uh, of uh, quotes that Revelation is quoting First Enoch. It's right there. Uh, and shall melt like wax before the flame. See, that's not the flood, folks. That's the uh, second judgment. That's the final judgment, the day of judgment with fire. Yes, they knew of that even before the flood. You know, we read some of these things in the New Testament and we make massive assumptions and leaps, uh, even regarding things like salvation and grace and uh, other very prominent tenets, even Gentiles being saved and Gentiles entering covenant. Yeah, that's in the Old Testament. That's even in the Exodus many times over. There's nothing to discuss on that, yet so many scholars and so many churches are completely inept on that. They ignore the Bible, what the Bible says completely to land on these doctrines of men that are useless. And the earth shall be wholly rent in sunder. Wow. We know that from Revelation 2, right? And other places, uh, especially second districts. And all that is upon the earth shall perish, and there shall be a judgment upon all men. Wow. Uh, just warming up here. This is how Enoch starts this book. Imagine that. Uh, we are going to cover a major amount of Enoch's prophecies here. Uh, they're tried and vetted and proven to be inspired, as we find the New Testament, especially quoting Enoch, often, and I mean often. Again, read the introduction. We have many such there, and we did not go and find all of them because there's a ton more that we didn't even get to. We just wanted to show a good enough showing uh, that was solid. So there are pages and pages and pages of such quotes uh, in Revelation, in Paul's writings, uh, in Peter, in Jude, uh, even all four of the Gospels, and even by Messiah himself. Imagine that. Enoch serves as a foundational text. And if you're a scholar and you can't see that, you are absolutely blinded. You need to wake up. For the New Testament apostles, certainly... But with the righteous, he will make peace and will protect the elect. Yes, that's us believers. And yes, he is talking especially of the end times. That's what he said. Let's take his word for it. And mercy shall be upon them, and they shall all belong to Elohim, and they shall be prospered, and they shall all be blessed. Yes, and he will help them all, and light shall appear unto them, and he will make peace with them. Now, 
That is what this is all about, folks. Enoch got it. All the way back then. I know, folks, it is difficult sometimes. Uh, you mention some of these truths to someone, you know, in your family, at work, at church, or wherever, uh, who's really not ready to hear it, and they just dismiss you and treat you like you're a crazy person. Believe me, we know. <laughs> we well know. Uh, you should read some of the things we get to read. <laughs> but anyway, however, truth will stand, lies will not and that is the age that we live in where evil is going to be defined as good and good is evil. So almost if they're harping on how evil you are and you know better, then that's a good thing. Um, rejoice. Rejoice. Because you don't want to be the opposite. Not in this realm. Uh, and we will answer uh, for our relationship with Yahusha. Not for anyone else's. And they can't for us either. So just stay the course. Enoch will admonish you in this many times over. You're going to see that throughout these teachings. He is, he is an amazing, inspirational figure. He speaks of judgment indeed, but he is full of encouragement for believers. It's incredible. Now, I know we must be crazy to say this, but uh, the New Testament, well, it, it quotes Enoch. Right? I mean, it, it directly quotes Enoch uh, many times.